This is an exciting sermon series called One Month to Live. And really what we're talking about is what would you do in your final days? How would you live your life if you knew your time was short? How, how would you do things a little differently maybe? Some of you might think, I wouldn't do anything differently. Man, you are living your best life and that's awesome. But I would, I, I would venture to guess that like me, you have a few things you might change and you might prioritize differently. And that's really what this is about. It's about honing in right on to what is the most important things in life. What are your absolute highest values and priorities? And then live by those things. Live out of those values. Live out of those priorities. And for me, I realized going through this that my absolute highest priority my, my highest value is to, to, to share what God has done in my life and to extend that to those around, around me. My second highest value, and, and I think this comes first in doing that, is to share that with my family, yeah. is to share what, what God has given me, the love of God that he has poured out so lavishly upon my life and to extend that to those closest to me. Last, last week, we talked about living passionately, just living a passionate life. And that, that was an amazing image about the guys who tore the roof off to, to lower their friend down to Jesus. Talk about passionate, passion, huh? That is just over-the-top passion. And that's how God wants us to live. Today, we're talking about the, 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 the second principle is to love completely, to love completely. To, to love in such a way that it's your whole heart. Co wholeheartedly, completely. And when I think of loving completely, I get a little overwhelmed. I don't know about you. Because I fall short in this area. And the truth is, is I think most of us love partially in our, in our closest relationships. Often, we, we don't love completely those that are the closest to us. We, we, hold, it, we hold back a little bit. You know, it's, we, we play the, the give and take game. And we don't completely give of ourselves. Today we're talking about loving completely. Amy and I, we've been married for 17 years, and I have loved her longer than that. Yeah, at least a few years, a couple years longer than that. Somewhere in that dating process, I fell in love, I'm, you know. Um, but we, we've been walking together for over 17 years, and I, I have to say that there has been many times where I have not loved completely. Where I have not, you know, given myself completely to her. Where I've held back some love. Anybody done that before? Held back some love? You knew you could give it and you've held it back? Of course. We've all done that, haven't we? We've held back what we should 
freely give. We've held back love from those often that are closest to us. You know, and I didn't really understand this type of love. And I, and I, I still don't think I grasp the depth of it. Because God tells us to, complete, to, to always be searching the depths and the width and the height of his love. But I think I gained a new perspective of insight. And I think any parent here can, can, you know, join me in this. When my first daughter was born, leading up to it, I thought I was, you know, a pretty loving person. Um, and I still consider myself that mostly. I mean, I try. Um, I'm a pretty loving person. But when Ava came and she was born, I won't describe the whole scene. <laughs> but when she was born, especially since she's sitting here, <laughs> um, my heart expanded. You know, it just, it doubled in size. You know, and all of a sudden, there was so much more space for love. There was so much more I can give. And the truth is, is that she had done nothing for me. She came out, I looked at her, and I knew I could love more than I ever, you know, thought I could. That I had more to give, more love to give. And I just, it, it was kind of shocking. I was surprised. I was like, whoa, I mean, my heart is bigger. And I have so much love for this little girl who is just crying and screaming, you know? But I don't care. I love her. Why? Because she was mine. She was mine. And that's how God looks at us. You know, we, we, we don't just not do anything for God. We offend God often, you know? We, I mean... Man, but God loves us. You are his. That's how we see you are his. And that type of love is unconditional. It can't, be, it can't be bought. It can't be worked for. You can't do enough to earn that. Ava could not do enough to earn the type of love I have for her. She just can't. I give it because my heart loves her. She is mine. And that's the way God looks at us. He sees you, and he says, you are mine. I love you completely. I love you completely. That's what we're talking about. John 13, 34, 35 says this. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By, by this, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And the, the thought progression there is that God has loved us unconditionally. He looks at you and says, I love you. And he extends that love to us. And then he says, okay, now take that and go love others. Love the people around you. Because the truth is, if we try to do it on our own, we fall short, even with those who are closest to you, even with those who are deserving of love. 
God says, this is my commandment. I give it to you. Love one another as I have loved you. Out of this revelation that God loves us unconditionally, that he has extended this to us, we are able to go and to love others. The truth is, is that you can only give what you have already received. You are only able to give out of what you have. If you don't have it, you can't give it. And if you've never experienced unconditional love, you cannot give it. If you've never been loved completely, you cannot love completely. And the only person who has actually loved us completely without condition is God. And when we embrace that, our heart grows. I mean, it grows so big that you can't contain it. The Bible describes that it's like living, of, living water that flows out of us. That's the love of God. It should fill us, it should flow out of us, and it should touch and get all over the people around you. Because God has loved us extremely in crazy, extreme ways. How many of you, and when I, I ask this question, I know for me, it's, it's only a, a, a small amount of people, but how many people have you loved in such a way that you've, you, you, you've done it completely? You've loved completely. A few people should come to your mind where you have sacrificed, you've extended yourself, you've done everything you can to love them. And for me, that's my family and maybe a couple other people. Because that, that's just the reality. But I know that my heart needs to grow. I know that God's love is for everybody. And this is the type of love that we as Christ followers are supposed to extend to everybody. Now, when I, I think of that, I think that's, that's impossible. We can't do that. You know why? Because it is impossible. You can't do that. We can't do that on our own. We have to have the love of God filling us, flowing out of us, washing all those around us. Man, we all have a lot of room to grow in this. Are you with me on that? Would you, would you raise your hand if you feel like you have room to grow in loving people? I, I, I mean, if anybody's got their hand down, I want to be your best friend. Because you are the coolest person I've ever met. I mean, you're right next to Jesus, obviously. <laughs> I mean, really, we've all got a lot of room to grow here. And the truth is, is that this is hard. That it takes sacrifice. That we have to, you know, give of ourselves selflessly. And that's difficult. It's hard. It extends us. It causes, it causes us to, to actually live more or greater than we can actually do on our own. Um, 
I've been on Facebook, and my man, Stephen over here, he, he's a big fisherman. He likes to go hiking. I've been looking at the pictures. He's been out, out and about with the nice weather. Any, any hikers around here? Anybody like to go for, for a good hike? Yeah, me too. I love going for a good hike. And a good hike is kind of pleasant. It's therapeutic. You know, you're just kind of wandering through the woods, enjoying yourself. You know, just, just loving it. I mean, you, can, you could do it, maybe break a little sweat, but you're enjoying it, right? Hiking, it's nice. Anybody consider themselves a mountain climber, like serious mountain climber? Not a couple of people. We got one. We got one. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's not like a pleasant hike at all. <laughs> mountain climbing is not like a pleasant hike. It's serious. It takes a lot of work. It, you, have to, you have to extend yourself in sacrifice, and you need a team. I... Um, consider myself about a mid-level, somewhere in between there, probably on the lower end of the, the pleasant walk person. But I have, in my younger days, hiked Mount Whitney twice, which is the highest peak in the southern 48 states. It's 15,500 feet. It's 11 miles, and it's the elevation from 8,000 to, you go from 8,000 to 15,000, 6,000 foot elevation change. And when I went to do this, I was a young man, but I remember struggling. I mean, I, I was a, a collegiate athlete, so I was in very good shape, and I struggled. And when I got to, to the, the first day's camp, I mean, you just kind of throw off all your stuff and just kind of lay on the ground, you know? You can't even move. And then some people at that point had to stop and go back because of altitude sickness. And they, they just couldn't continue on. And I remember them waking up the next morning being sore all over and then looking at the peak that's still, you know, 1,000, 2,000 feet higher um, than I was and a full, you know, half day's hike straight up. And I thought, I just can't do that. But everybody else was around me. I'm like, I can do this. <laughs> yeah, no problem. You know, as a young guy, I thought, I, I got this. And... We did it, but it hurt. It was painful. But when you got to the top, it's like, yes, you know, accomplishment. Have, did you guys watch the recent movie, Everest? Anybody? Phenomenal. Wasn't it based on the, on, on the book, Into Thin Air, which is based on the story, um, of the, of, which was displayed there, of guys who went and hiked Everest, and eight people died on this, on this one. And, and when you hike Everest... You, you're going to, a, to a, up, you know, the, the largest mountain in the world, and you get to a point where they call you enter the death zone, okay? Right when you hear that, you should think, no, I don't think this is for me. I think <laughs> Mount Whitney sounds good. Death zone doesn't sound so good, right? So you enter the death zone, and you're in this death zone um, for, I think it's like 24 hours or something like that, and Literally, your body is dying as you're climbing the mountain and coming down. And you, you need oxygen, and you need each other. You need people to do this. And it, on your way up, if you get to the death zone, on your way up, you're going you're gonna to enter th this area called the ice caves, the, where you're hiking through this place where the ground can literally fall out below you, just suck you straight in. 
And on your way up, you're going to pass one or two or maybe more, depending on the way you go, people who are frozen on the trail. And they can't bring them down. They're just, they just sit there for, for good. They are frozen on the trail. And you're, going, you're walking up, you know, you're hiking this Everest. And this is not for, for the faint of heart, obviously. This is not for the pleasant hiker. This is for somebody who, who you know, is extreme, is full on, is just a little crazy, maybe, a little out there. Um, but to do this, they can't, nobody can do it on their own. You need a team. You need, you need one another. You need to trust each other and walk with each other and sacrifice with each other and, you know, overcome frostbite and pain with one another. God has called us to an even greater challenge than to climb Everest. And that is to love those around you. Completely. This is way harder, not physically, way harder than climbing Everest. Is to love those around you completely. You know, you might be able to do that with two, three, four, five people in your life. But to do that with everybody, to, to extend that type of love to your neighbor, to your friend, the scripture even goes, <laughs> even goes to the point of saying, love your enemies completely. I just ask God for help to love my family and to love my church and to love those he puts in my life. I mean, God help us, right? We have a huge call as Christ followers to love those around us completely. To do this, we are going to have to climb a few mountains. We're going to have to overcome a few challenges I'm going to talk about a couple of these mountains quickly. One mountain that we are going to have to overcome is the mountain of misunderstanding. Have you ever been misunderstood? I've been misunderstood a couple of times. I'm like, I just, it, it kind of brings up a little bit of an anger inside of you, right? You're like, that's not what I meant. I didn't even say that. Especially, you know, when you're in close relationship, husbands, wives. That is not what I meant. You're taking that out of context. Hey, you know, and you just feel wronged. And often we misunderstand and we begin to judge. Now, if we were loving completely, we would be able to extend grace and love in those situations. But the truth is, is that often we allow these small things to pile up. And all of a sudden, these small misunderstandings that happen in relationships become mountains. Becomes a mountain that we have to overcome and climb. And a lot of us choose not to do that. Choose not to 
overcome those, to extend grace, to love completely, to, to forgive where you've been offended or misunderstood. This is a mountain in relationships that we have to choose in advance that we are going to overcome if we are going to go deep with one another, if we're going to walk together through life's challenges, if we're going to do what Christ has called us to do, to love one another so that they will know we are his disciples. We have to choose to overcome the mountain of misunderstanding. Man, and talk about misunderstanding between Men and women. Have you guys ever read the book Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus? Literally, we are from two different planets often. But God has uniquely designed that to bring us together to be able to express his love to one another and to walk together as he, he extends his love to us. The other mountain is a mountain of me first. That's the mountain, I think, that piles up with me, 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 and me. Anybody think that way sometimes? I mean, I think that we probably spend the most time thinking of ourselves than thinking of others. And that's not a, a, you know, a slight or that's, that's just reality. We are, you know, humans who look out for our needs. But when we are filled with the love of God, we can begin overcoming that mountain of me first and begin thinking of the others around us before ourselves. This is huge mountain. It's a huge thing that we have to overcome. To walk close in relationships, we must extend forgiveness. We must extend love. We must extend God's goodness first to those around us before we think about ourselves. And it comes naturally to do that with your children or with your loved one or especially with somebody that you're dating and are hoping maybe they might be the right one. You think about them all the time. That's like the only time in your life you don't think about yourself the most is when you're courting or, or dating somebody and hoping you know, that one day this is going to be marriage. You're thinking about them 24-7, maybe a little too much. <laughs> but the truth is, is that we have to train ourselves. We have to choose to think of the people around us more than ourselves. The third mountain is the mountain of mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. I, I fall short of my wife's expectations, let alone fall short of following and, and going after, after God. Our mistakes can pile up. Our, and when we're in relationships, those around us are going to make mistakes. We have to recognize that, hey, just like me, they are not perfect. And we have to extend grace in those times. Early in my marriage, about after the first year, I think the first year was a whole honeymoon. Like we had no fights, no problems. Sometimes that's not the way it is, but we just like cruised through the first year. And then towards the end of that first year, things, there's a little tension. 
little th- things. It's like, okay, something's different here. We're, this, this is not feeling the same. Hey, I've got needs, you know, that aren't being met. You know, and we just, th- these mountains started, started forming. Mount, mountains of me first. Mountains of mistakes. Mountains of, um, what, what was that first one again? Misunderstandings. <laughs> oh, yeah, there were some misunderstandings, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh. And we got to the point, right in the beginning of that second year, where we just stopped communicating. We were on staff at a church. We were leading a college group and young adults. And we were not talking for over a week, period. We lived together. We worked together. We, we did everything together. And we did not talk for a week. It was cold. It was cold. I mean, it was ice cold. It was like, you know, top of Everest, we were freezing. Dead bodies are rolling, <laughs> rolling around. I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. I don't think it's been that bad since then. We, we chose that, that after that, we are not doing this again. This just hurt too much. But we just let all of this pile up. And the mountain was so high, neither of us wanted to tear it down. Neither of us wanted to, to climb it. We were both like, you know what? I've extended myself. I've done what I should do. Now you, you do it. You say sorry first. And that was what I, I was like, I've said sorry a million times in this relationship. <laughs> Buck up. <laughs> and we just held our ground, cold as ice for a week. And finally we both broke down crying and, you know, snot and all of that. And made up. <laughs> of course. I, I, I always cave in, all right? <laughs> all you do is win, baby. Oh, that is so true. <laughs> that is a picture of our marriage right there. No. But we have to overcome these challenges. And they are not easy. And to do this, we need the power of God. You know why so many marriages fail? Is because we're not willing to overcome these challenges, these mountains. We don't reach out to God and ask for his love. We don't ask him to fill our heart even more so that we can extend that to somebody around us, even if they're undeserving, which she wasn't back then. But even if they are, I don't want to be in trouble after this. Even if they are undeserving, we are called still to extend love. This is a game changer. First Corinthians says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, uh, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The love of God demonstrated on the cross is now the power of God in our lives to be able to love those around us in such a way that is completely, that is unconditionally, that extends grace and mercy even when it's undeserved.
John, the book of John 13, it says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to be with the Father. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The full extent was to, to die on the cross. And I think to myself, I would die for my wife, for my children. I would lay down my life for, for many of my friends, for those closest to me, and I'm sure you would do the same. But it says in that scripture, having loved, he did this. And that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the tension comes, is in the having loved. It's in the small things. It's in loving daily. That's harder for me to love my wife every day and to show her I love her, to extend love every day. That's harder for those around us. It's harder to love in the daily small things than it is to lay down your life or to at least say that you would. But Jesus did both. Having loved, he sacrificed, he loved them, he washed their feet, but he was also willing to go to the cross. To love completely means to love, not just in the big things, but to love in the small things. To love completely means to love in the small things every day, day in and day out. This will change your relationships. This is a game changer. To love in the small things. To look for opportunities to love. To show love. To bless someone. To do good. To do what is right. To encourage them. To build them up. This will change your relationships completely. I just read a Facebook post by a friend this week, and I wanted to share it with you. This can help in any relationship. And the, this small thing can save your marriage as well. I want you to listen. A couple of weeks ago, I noticed something that Sean, that's the husband, and I both do. That makes a huge difference in our day-to-day -day lives, and we want to share it. I do the grocery shopping every weekend and most of the cooking, and Sean thanks me for it. He does the laundry, and I thank him. Every morning, Sean makes me breakfast, and I thank him. I plan our trips, and Sean thanks me. I do the banking, and Sean thanks me. Often, I take, a tr I take the train to work, and Sean drives me to the train station, and I say thank you. I notice this pattern when getting out of the car for the umpteenth time, and I uttered, thank you, my love, without even thinking to myself. And I begin to think, why do we do this? Why, why is this done? Continues on, and at the end, she says, he influenced my behavior towards me by saying thank you and doing nice things. I began a habit of always thanking him. And I found that the little things, I honestly think this makes all the difference. And I, be I believe that's true. If we will love in the little things, it will make all the difference. If we will be thankful, if we will extend love and then extend appreciation, that will make all the difference. When we're talking about we have one month to live, wouldn't you just be looking 
for opportunities to love those around you, to live passionately, and then to extend God's love to as many people as you could. Because the truth is, the only thing we could take with us is relationships. It's what we've done to impact people's lives. John 15 says this, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. As Jesus says, as God has loved me, I, na- I have extended my love to you. Now take that love and love one another. That's loving completely. Our only chance at loving completely comes from God, comes from experiencing, embracing, and sharing the love of God that he so lavishly pours out. Would you stand? I want to close with this. I want you just to to listen to 1 Corinthians 13. It says, "If if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. I want to challenge us. This is how, let's, let's live this way this week. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not selfish. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In your mind, I want you to think of a few people that you know you could love better. Right now, just close your eyes. If you would, you keep them open. But Sometimes it helps to imagine something in your mind. Think of a few people that you know you could do a better job showing love. And now with me, would you commit this week to being proactive, looking for opportunities, creating opportunities to love them? Would you do that? You pro- I, I know that we all want to do that anyways. I mean, that's what we want. But let's be proactive about it. Let's commit to it. Let's ask God, God, help us. Help us, Lord. Love those around us. Fill us, God, with your love so that we can love others better completely. I also want to ask you to think of how you can show greater love for those around you during the day at work, at school, wherever you spend your time, at the gym, How can you love those around you in a greater way? And let's commit to that. God, help us love those around us as you have loved us. In Jesus' name.